Good evening. Um, I want to look at a couple different uh, things that have been on my mind uh, lately. Uh, most of you know I just kind of finished the la probably the longest six months of my life. Um, and uh, it's interesting because uh, God definitely used this period of time to, uh, to teach me a lot um, about what it is to be a true believer uh, and, and what it is to, to really live um, it, and show what you, uh, what you believe and show the truth that you have as opposed to just talk about it and sing about it on Sundays. Um, well, first and foremost, I, I do want to thank everybody for all the prayers and the encouragements I've had the last several months. Uh, it, it's what got me through, and, uh, and it was very much appreciated. Um, what one thing uh, I, I want to do tonight is, um, and I have several thoughts, like I mentioned. It's going to be uh, several things that uh, I think you'll see come, all, all come back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we have blessings, we have trials, we have, uh, you know, so many aspects of our lives. Uh, but if we look at everything in light of what the Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross, uh, only then do we truly approach these things the way we should. Um, and, and only then does the Word of God truly uh, become real in our lives. Um, one, one thing I uh, would like to do is if we could turn in, uh, in our Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. And verse 23. Colossians 3, verse 23 reads, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not to men. Um, we'll read verse 24. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and this has been uh, a, a big thing in my heart lately. Um, who do I serve? Uh, who is it that I take my orders from? Who is it that I take my, you know, my command from? Uh, here it says, you serve the Lord Christ. And whatever you do, do it heartily. Not the big things, not do a couple of things, uh, you know, on Sundays and maybe on Wednesday nights. Um, Whatever you do, do it heartily to the Lord. And that applies to the things that involve uh, the church, things of ministry, and things in our secular world, uh, you know, our, our jobs, schooling, whatever it may be. Whatever you do, we do it to him. Uh, the reason this is all kind of, um, they they're going to be simple truths that I'm going to go over, simple things that we've learned since we were in Sunday school, um, and some things that we talk about on a daily basis, but uh, I had them uh, put into my, in my face, if you will, um, by the world. Um, I, I spent six months uh, having, you know, being told to, uh, to be ready always, you know, in the middle of the night, and, you know, or be ready and, you know, when you wake up bright and early and go to work, uh, to be above reproach. I can't tell you how many times that was told to me, um, to live a, a life that is unsullied, um, to give of myself, to sacrifice myself for my brothers and sisters, um, to get my priorities straight, to, to show brotherhood, um, and to always study, to, to build on a foundation, and to, and to just keep training and to keep living uh, based off of what I'd learned. 
and to make myself better and stronger uh, for that goal. And, and I found myself doing those things 150%. Um, you know, I would stay up very late, wake up very early, um, dedicate myself to what you know, the sergeant told me I had to do and, and, and all these things. Um, and it wasn't until about, I'd say right around halfway through, probably about the third month, uh, that something occurred and I, and I realized um, where, where my priorities were or how easy it was for me to put the commands of the world up here and to only go halfway for the Lord Jesus. Um, to, uh, uh, we were late to formation. We were going to have an inspection. And, um, and I had lo locked my keys in the car. So I had my uniform on, but I didn't have anything else with me. I didn't have my belt, my tools, my weapon. I didn't have anything. Uh, and they were locked in the car. And we had about 20, maybe 30 minutes till we had to be in formation and ready for inspection. Um, it took about five minutes to drive to wherever we were going to be. Uh, and without hesitation, you know, I, I grabbed some little tool and I, I pried my door open, you know, from the top. And I ripped my antenna off. Like I just snapped it right off and sticking it down in the door. And I'm trying to get the unlock button and got two guys pulling on the door, and we're scratching up the paint and, and just destroying my door. Uh, nothing. And it keeps slipping off, and it, it got really close, but it wouldn't press all the way. Ten minutes go by, uh, got a coat hanger, tried to, you know, jimmy the lock, did everything. We're down to about five minutes before we have to be there. Without hesitating, I look at the clock, I see, oh, we got five minutes left. I grab my, uh, my buddy, he had his baton out, and we just smashed my windows. And unlocked it, grabbed my gear, and went and was in formation with about 22 seconds to spare. Um, but it was at that moment that I realized I, I didn't even bat an eye to destroy my vehicle uh, so that I wouldn't disappoint my sergeant. I didn't bat an eye to, you know, grab all the help I could to, to exert all the energy I could to make sure that uh, when the time came and I had to do my responsibility that I didn't fail. Uh, and, and it's, you know, it's funny, it cost me a chunk of change that weekend, but it, but it didn't bother me because nobody else got in trouble and I, I was able to meet the standard I had to do. I did my part. Um, but my question to myself was after that, would I do that for the Lord? Am I willing to sacrifice my possessions? Am I willing to, to get rid of my, the things that I bought, the things that belong to me? Um, does Jesus Christ really have the position in my life that he's supposed to have? Um, turn with me to Matthew 22 and verse 37. And we'll read 37 and 38. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, this is the first and great commandment. It doesn't say, and again, this is going to be very simple truths that we go over. It doesn't say love him a lot, love him more than most of your things, love him, uh, you know, on Sundays, love him half the day. It says love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. Uh, that's everything. That is our all. Um, that isn't with, with any reserve. Uh, to, well, the things that I have are separate, and, you know, I love 
you and I love, you know, no. We, we have to love him with all that we have. That includes our possessions, our money, our energy, our time, everything. Um, Luke 14, and I apologize, we're going to be bouncing back and forth a little bit. Luke 14, verses 20, uh, verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him uh, who comes against him, or with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Um, here we have someone uh, who's going to build something. Um, and when, when you build something, you sit down and, and you, like it says here, you count the cost. You plan, you see how much of the material is going to cost, the labor is going to cost, how much time is it going to take. Uh, everything that's involved is done uh, when, when you sit down and do this. Not when you're halfway through the job. You don't just go blindly into a job or into a war, like the other example. We don't just jump into these things without sitting down and consider. It's not supposed to be a willy-nilly type of dedication. Uh, when we put ourselves to following Christ, it is, like he says here, forsaking all. It's giving up everything that we think we have a right to. Giving up our hold on these things or our ownership or our possession. Um, giving up the power that we think we have. Um, and that we think, you know, that we, we have, we're privileged to be in this country, but we tend to think that we are entitled to our freedom and our liberty, um, and that goes above everything else. Well, sometimes we have to give that up. Sometimes we have to follow him by giving up all. Second Timothy chapter 2. In verse 4, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. One thing that kept getting beat into my head, and, and I'm going to give a couple examples from the last six months as I, as I started, um, and this isn't to talk about specifically what happened in the last six months, but uh, the, the Lord, you know, when I, when I first started, and I talked to several of you when I first started uh, the academy. You know, I said, oh, I want to use this for the Lord. I want to use this job, this opportunity, uh, and this time. Uh, and what comes out of it, I want it to be for him. Uh, and uh, like I said, there was very little time before it became very evident just some of the things that I could start doing for him and some of the things he could start teaching me about my life. So uh, I'm going to share a couple of these personal lessons that I had 
um, something I'm not very used to doing, you know, sharing a little bit of more of a personal side. But um, uh, something that was always beat into my head was that, uh, you know, I, I have to dedicate myself. I have to give myself, you know, wholly to something. Uh, before we started, you know, my dad went with me uh, to this little orientation thing they have, and they talked about how family time would be cut out, how, you know, everyone had to understand what the cost was going to be, how um, we had to know going in that this wasn't something that we could do half the day and, you know, the other half would be ours. This was something that was going to be a 24-7 thing. Um, and it truly was. And when looking at this in my life, you know, and I look at before the academy, um, what, what did I do for the Lord? You know, yeah, I was, I was here on Sunday. I, I did Boys Brigade on Tuesdays, or I went to Bible study on Wednesdays, different things like that. But was I holy to the Lord, or was I checking a box? Was I, you know, punching in and punching out when I did my time, when I gave him certain things, but I had the certain things that were for me and my own and the money that was spent, you know, this is for me, and, you know, if, if you ask it of me, well, this isn't part of the ministry. Um, that's something that I realized about myself. Uh, there shouldn't be a separation between our lives being lived for the Lord and, and everything else in our lives. Um, I had a conversation once with a coworker uh, a few, probably three years ago or so, and it was about, uh, and his coworker was a, was a Christian, and it was about being part of the ministry. Um, and, you know, we, we got off early one day, and he said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to go to Bible study, you know, I'll be able to make it. Um, and he goes, oh, okay, well, I mean, we got a couple extra hours. I was just going to go, you know, watch a movie. I was like, oh, well, if you want, you can come with me. He goes, no, we have a Bible study, you know, close to my house. I was like, oh, well, you probably can go. We don't get to go very often. Um, and... Uh, you know, short version of the story, it, it ended up becoming a conversation about how we spend our time. And we tend, you know, here in, in, our, in our society, we tend to have our schedule, our work schedule, our school schedule, our free time schedule, and we put the Lord around that schedule. We look, that's the schedule we lay down first. And then whatever gaps we have, okay, yeah, God, you can have Tuesday nights for, you know, from 6 to 8.30. You know, God, you can have Sunday morning up until 12, and then from 12 to 6, it's my time again. And then, you know, or there's football for this season, so that bumps a little bit of God's time. That's how we, that's how we look at our lives. Um, we don't look at it in the, in the situation that he bought, uh, he bought us. He's, his blood paid the price. He owns us. Our life belongs to him. So our schedule should be God and everything else we fill in the cracks with. You know, yes, there's work and there's obligations, and, and those are good things, and the Lord wants us to do those things. But everything else isn't for us to divide and give him a part of. Our lives belong to him. Uh, I'm going to look at a couple examples in uh, Abraham's life um, and how he gave up what rights or what privileges he may have had um, because the Lord asked him to. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. And we'll read, uh, starting in verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, I will bless you, and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, <coughs> and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Uh, so immediately, Abraham's response to what the Lord says is, uh, he, is a, he gets up and goes. Um, we've heard many stories, and, and I can tell you many times in my life, where um, you kind of feel led somewhere into a certain ministry or something that inflicts on your that one free day you have in the week or that one week off I have in the summer, but, you know, there's a need up at camp or whatever it may be. You know, we all have different instances in our lives. Um, and we kind of say, well, God, that's the only, you know, that's, that's my time or that's my, you know, that's for me. Here, God specifically told him, get out of your country, so give you up your country, give up your family, give up your father's house, and leave. He had to give up everything and everywhere that he had had. And at a, at a drop of a hat, Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Uh, no hesitation. Uh, that, you know, going back to what I said in the beginning, I didn't hesitate. I didn't even think about it. Just smashing in my window. Because it was insignificant to me compared to who it was I was trying to please. When we're looking at the Lord with the respect and the fear that he deserves... All these other things become insignificant. They should be insignificant, and we shouldn't have a hold on them. We should smash them. We should leave them. We should depart from them right away. Continuing on in Genesis 22, and also starting in verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And he said to Abraham, oh, and he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood off the burnt, of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to a place of which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the Lord, sorry, uh, took out his knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said to him, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram, caught in a thicket by its horns. 
So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mountain of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessings I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sands which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba. Um, so again, another example of Abraham, um, and we've gone over this story, most of us, most of our lives, um, giving up what is his, uh, and not only a possession, but his only son, uh, the son he had waited for, uh, I believe about 25 years, just while he was in that land, um, waiting, 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 the son is born, the son is growing up, and the Lord says, give him up, uh, and if we just, I'll read it again. It says, Take now your son, in verse 2, your only son Isaac, whom you, love, whom you love, and go to the land and offer him as a burnt offering. And there's no discourse, there's no reply, there's no comment, there's no question, there's no bartering, but God, but how about, uh, you know. His response is, rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey. Right away, just the way he left uh, the land of Ur, is the same way he, uh, he gave up his only son. And uh, real quickly, we're going to just bounce back one more time to Genesis chapter 13. Chapter, uh, chapter 13 and verse 5. And uh, reading till verse 11. Lot also, who went with Abraham, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not <coughs> dwell together. <clears throat> and there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abraham said to Lot, <coughs> Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your, herd, your herdsmen, uh, for they were brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take to the left, then I will go to the right, or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan. There it was well watered everywhere before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Uh, here Abraham again gives up his right. Abraham is uh, Lot's uncle. He's, he's the eldest. He's the leader of this clan of uh, families and all these herds. And not only culturally, but uh, religiously and in every aspect, he should have been the one to choose where to go. He should have had first choice of the land. He should have had... Uh, the preference of where to set up his family and told Lot to go to the other side. Uh, yet, he gives it up to Lot um, without, without a second guess. 
when we look at the way, when we really take a hard look at ourselves and examine ourselves, um, I, I was blessed and I'm thankful that I had this privilege uh, for half a year to really kind of have the magnifying glass on myself. Um, when we do that, we're, we're often uh, put to shame. If we compare ourselves to the word of God, we're put to shame. Um, and I'll tell you what, it's even more shameful when the world's standards are better than our standards. When, uh, when my sergeant heard someone use the Lord's name in vain uh, during a workout, I, I came home and I told my parents that night, I don't remember ever being in so much pain for the next hour and a half. We, we were destroyed. And his response to hearing that first was, nobody uses the Lord's name in vain on my grinder, which is where we do our workouts. Um, and it was a blur. I mean, an utter blur. People were passing out and people were hurting. And, um, and the man's not a believer, I can tell you that. Uh, but I didn't say anything to that guy. I didn't, you know, I heard it. I didn't say it. Um, the world standards can put us to shame sometimes because we like to think that, uh, well, God's grace, graceful. He's got a lot of mercy. Um, and he does, and it won't run out. But, you know, shame on us if we're going to use it as a get-out-of-jail-free card. You know, if we're going to use it as an excuse to uh, have our separate lives outside of our church lives or to have uh, our own me time that God's, God's time doesn't bleed over. Um, you know, that, that, that's not at all the devotion that he deserves. Um, and I asked myself as time went on, how is it that I can constantly be reminded? Because one week away from the, uh, seven day, uh, Jabe Nicholson likes to say, seven days away from the Lord makes one week. Um, and I can tell you it's very true. Uh, in some cases, it's one day. Um, and how is it that we can remind ourselves and stay grounded? Um, and I, 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 it goes back to basics. Um, being in fellowship, being in the word, um, and, and praying. Uh, if we look at Acts 2.42, I'd like to go there for a second. We often, uh, we often use this verse when we're talking about the early days of the church and, and how the church runs. And um, I'd like to look at it just a little bit from a different angle and look at it from the individual's point of view. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Um, and I'll, I'll say very simply, the weeks that I was privileged and, and had a little bit of time, you know, a little bit of extra time and things like that, and I was able to make it to Bible study at David's house on Monday, or, uh, or I was able to, to make it to Wednesday night on a prayer meeting, um, or stay a whole Sunday, including the night, those days, I can't tell you how good I felt the next morning. Um, it, it, was, it was a very different strength, and it was a very different joy that I had in the Lord that whole next day. Um, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Uh, the teaching, the word, it's very 
essential to us. Uh, it's the bread of life. When we stray from that, we're, we're losing our power source. Um, you know, for six months I had to constantly eat. Con uh, just there's, you know, shoving bread and protein and all this stuff, you know, because we got to make it to the next, the next hardship, the next bump, the next stage, the next workout. Um, and that's the same way in the life of a Christian. We have to constantly feed ourselves. Uh, we, we have the best source. We have an endless source right here. Um, and we cannot stray away from it. We will grow weak. Um, fellowship. Uh, I, that, that more than anything, uh, you know, a bad, uh, a bad app, what is it? One bad apple ruins the whole bunch. Um, and that happens very quickly. When, we sur when we're surrounded by those who can drag us down, uh, when we're surrounded by one person who uh, isn't a believer and is constantly living a life uh, away from the Lord and we're subjected to it, that can hurt us. When we're surrounded by more than one of those people, it can really, really drag us down. Um, and to be around the people of the Lord, to be able to talk and to fellowship um, about what God has done for us, um, there, there's nothing more beautiful than that. Uh, in, the old, in the Bible, the term breaking of bread was used for, for multiple purposes. One, for the remembrance meeting, uh, you know, coming on Sunday morning and, and just dwelling on what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And, and I'll get to that in a little bit. But another term for it was having meals together, sitting down and eating. Uh, and that uh, was how the church, when it was first starting and first forming, that was a daily, the daily thing. They were in and out of each other's homes. They were having meals. They were uh, sharing over, over these, uh, these meals uh, about the Lord. Um, and, and the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, we have more stories, I believe, than, we, than not of him having meals with the disciples, having meals in somebody's house. All these conversations, these parables, these lessons over meals. Um, and, and that was a huge form of fellowship, and it still is. Uh, you know, there's a couple times I was able to have, uh, you know, dinner at David's house if I got off early. Uh, it happened twice, and I remember those days vividly, vividly. Um, because they, they strengthen you, they encourage you. Um, and then moving on to the breaking of bread, uh, in the other context, remembering the Lord. Uh, sometimes we get so, we, we drift, we get so bogged down by what we've allowed ourselves to be burdened with, things of this world, uh, the responsibilities, the things that uh, are tying us down, and we, we try to fix ourselves. Okay, I'll read, I'll read a devotional in the morning. I'll do this. I'll listen to hymns on the way. You know, and, and these things will help. But in my opinion, this is my personal belief, nothing, nothing does that more than dwelling on what the Lord Jesus Christ did on Calvary. Uh, that puts everything else to shame. Uh, being here Sunday morning with, with the family of believers and singing or reading, or praying, or talking about what Jesus Christ did on the cross in dying for our sins. Uh, this morning, uh, Bob was praying, and he mentioned, how can we help but love him when he loved us so? Uh, that that kind of says it right there. Um, and when, when you're dwelling on that, it's very, very easy 
to want to live your life for him. Uh, it's very hard to live our life selfishly when we're living in light of what he did. Um, <clears throat> and prayer, uh, that goes for everything, from strength to guidance uh, to direction to encouragement. The Lord Jesus Christ, um, to me, is the best example of prayer. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ prayed when he was tired, when he was weak, when he was uh, burdened with the weight of Calvary right before his death. He prayed for the disciples when they were asleep. Um, and he prayed asking, you know, if there's any way this cup can be removed from me, but if not, I'll go. Um, and to me, and I've said this before, if the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, had to pray, I, that should be a sign for me. I should, I should definitely be praying. Um, and and I, again, I can't tell you how, how important that has been to me recently. Um, and, and all that reminds me of is it, it's so sad that we have to forget and have to be put through the fire in order to remember. Um, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm reading the verses. We're reading them together today. They're very simple and very plain. Um, and yet, we have to go to the, you know, we have to have our face in the dirt to, to remember. Um, I'd like to look at uh, Lamentations, chapter 1 and verse 12. I don't go there very often. It took me a while to find it. Lamentations chapter 1 and verse 12. Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. Uh, and this is, you know, shifting gears a little bit. I want to look a little bit more on the suffering of Christ. <coughs> Because truly, uh, when we think that he's the one leading us and he's the one guiding us and he's the one with us and he's the one providing us the time of day to serve him, providing us with whatever uh, ministry we're in, whether that be our actual job or whether that be just, you know, uh, working here at the chapel, painting walls. Um, when we think that he's the one giving us all this and he's the one who died for us, uh, we should do a double take. See if there, is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow which is done to me. Uh, we can't really understand the suffering that Jesus Christ went through when he took all of our sin on his shoulders, when he paid the price once and for all for everybody. We can't really ever fully understand it. But if, if we take a moment to look at it, we should be overwhelmed and it shouldn't be nothing to us. Um, it, it's funny, actually, uh, this, the songs that Andrew picked out or had us sing in this, the, uh, right before we started. Um, I, didn't, I wasn't able to make it last Sunday night, so I didn't know where we were in the Red Book. Um, but, and I thought this would always be my little secret, but I'll tell you guys. Um, every morning uh, for the last six months, I had a little collection of a couple hymns uh, that were my favorite that gave me so much encouragement, um, and I would listen to them every morning. Uh, you know, three o'clock in the morning, driving to, to work, knowing that I'm about to get beat up, uh, 
and and it it would lift me up. And it was the they were, they were by Andy Griffith, the late Andy Griffith. Um, and the first one was Jesus Savior Pilot Me, and he would go right into it was like a medley right into He Leadeth Me. Um, so I was kind of I, I mean I was smiling over here when, when we were singing those, um, but when we truly allow the Lord to pilot us, when he's the one leading us, um, we lose our love for this world. We lose our hold on it, our tight white-knuckle grip. Um, it kind of loosens up. We're able to stop what he tells us to stop, go where he tells us to go, sacrifice what he wants us to sacrifice, give up what he needs us to give up, um, and it becomes really easy. Um, like I said, for me, it was dwelling on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and his suffering, his death. Um, when, we owe, when we owe some something to, to each other, you know, if I owe someone some money or, or, or whatever it may be, um, we're pretty good about paying that real quickly. We're pretty good about, uh, for the most part, you know, hey, I, don't let me forget, I owe you this, whatever it is. Um, but we owe so much to the Lord Jesus Christ. We owe more than we could ever repay. Um, and the beautiful thing is he paid a debt we, we owed that he didn't, that we couldn't pay. Um, I want to look just uh, briefly at Isaiah 53. Again, a very familiar passage. Um, but I don't think, for me, no other passage brings it to light more clearly. Isaiah 50, uh, we'll start in 52 in verse 14. So his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Uh, we'll jump down to 53 in verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked. But with the rich at his death, because he had made, done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, and he has put him to grief. Like I said, I don't think... I don't think we could read it. I don't think we could dwell on it or think about what he went through. 
the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, coming down as a man, giving up everything he had without reservation to bear not my sins only, not your sins, not just the white lie I told when I was five, but every sin, past, present, and future of every person on his shoulder and and to, to put that away pay for it once and for all, so that we don't have to do anything but say, I believe it, thank you, and I accept it. To to think of everything he went through, the beard being plucked, the whips in his back, that those glass shards, the nails ripping out his flesh, uh, the spitting on his face, the nails through his hands and his feet, If we actually take a moment and look at those things and dwell on those things, how could we live for ourselves? Uh, I read read a a note by William MacDonald a couple weeks ago. It says, sometimes as I sit at the Lord's Supper, I have to ask myself, what is the matter with me? How can I sit here and contemplate the passion of the Savior and not be melted to tears. Another wrote in similar spirit, O wonder to myself I am, thou living, bleeding, dying lamb, that I can scan the mystery over and not be moved to love thee more. I admire those sensitive souls who are so moved by the suffering of the dying Redeemer that they break down and cry. I think of my Christian barber, Ralph Rucko, Often as he stands over me, he would talk about the agonies which Christ the Savior endured. Then with his tears falling on the cloth cover on my shoulders, he would say, I don't know. I don't know why he was willing to die for me. I am such a wretch, yet he bore the penalty of my sins in his body on the cross. I think of the sinful woman who washed the Savior's feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Although living on the other side before the cross, she was more attuned emotionally than I am with all the superior knowledge and privilege we have. Why am I such a block of ice? Is it that I have been brought up in a culture where it is considered unmanly to weep? If so, then I'd wish I'd never been in this culture. It is not a disgrace to weep in the shadow of Calvary. The disgrace lies in not weeping. Borrowing from the book of Jeremiah, we should pray, Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night. Weep, that is, over the sufferings and death which my sins brought on a sinless Savior, And I take as my own the immortal words of Isaac Watts, well might I hide my blushing face while his dear cross appears. Dissolve my heart in thankfulness and melt my eyes to tears. We should pray to deliver us from a curse of a dry-eyed Christianity. Um, It's a... We could blame it on the society that we live in. We could blame it on the culture. We 
could blame it on what's around us. We could blame it on a whole host of things. We're a culture of blamers. Uh, but it ultimately lies with us because I can just read from the word of God and have everything that I should be doing put in my face and everything that I'm not doing brought to light. It should be very easy for us to just look at the Lord Jesus Christ and see what's wrong. Who do we have as our captain? Who do we have as the person who gets everything that we own or think we own? Who do we drop everything for and follow at the moment's notice? If we keep to the word of God, if we dwell on what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us, uh, you know, I go back to how can we help but love him? Um, if we turn to uh, hymn 283 in the Red Book, going back to that hymn by Isaac Watts. Uh, we don't have all the original words or all the original verses, um, but I just want to take a second and, and read uh, two of the verses. <clears throat> Thus might I hide my blushing face while his dear cross appears. Dissolve my heart in thankfulness and melt my eyes to tears. But drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. That's all that we can do. If we give ourselves away, we don't have any amount of money or possessions or anything that could come close, but we do have our lives. And if we give that away, give that to him, that's, that's the least that we can do. Could we, could we sing hymn number 283? Uh, in the red book. God and Father, we just uh, thank you so much for your love. We thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank you for him willing to come down and die on the cross. We thank you for everything that he endured on our behalf. We thank you that it was selfless and full of love. And Father, we thank you that because of what he did on the cross, we don't have to worry about paying a penalty we couldn't pay. We don't have to pay for our sins because they've been paid for. Father, we thank you so much for the word that we have uh, and, and the fact that we can freely open it and look at it, study it and read it, and see what a wonderful Savior we have, what a wonderful God that we have. Father, we pray that we would go uh, back to our day-to-day our -day lives and uh, with a change. Father, that we would know that our lives don't belong to us because uh, we were bought by your son's precious blood. And Father, we pray that we would live in light of that. Uh, we wouldn't waste uh, an opportunity to obey you, to tell others about the wonderful word wonderful work of the Lord Jesus Christ, and Father, that we would give up our lives and the hold that we have on it, um, that we would consider it nothing compared to what your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, did for us. 
that we would live for you. We thank you so much um, for everything that you've done for us and everything that you continue to do daily. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.